This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of welcome back doc and uh how's the self-isolation going you have been our responsible partner again this is the second podcast that you after your trip to the USA, have self-isolated. How are you doing? It's not easy, Gordon. I guess, you know, uh, you're so used to being up and about and doing things. But I guess, you know, people just work. And, and the interesting part of the equation, and not just for me, but for people globally, is it teaches you a different discipline, you know. And and, and I guess companies that have been doing remote working, it's less of, a, of an adjustment for them. People who haven't, well, it's obviously more of an adjustment. And I think, you know, as one moves into the modern way of working, uh, remote workers and that, this is going to become the norm. So it's, it's quite an interesting experiment anyway in terms of adjusting and adapting. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's been for you. Well, I mean, I'm uh, lucky enough to feel it in studio again. And this time we've got uh, Sechaba Matsuela. How do I pronounce it? Help me out here. Sechaba. Sechaba, yeah. Matsuela. <laughs> yeah, the wrong, wrong one. Yeah, completely the wrong name. So... Um, but, you know, as in his capacity here, I mean, he's a, a multifaceted marketer. We, our paths crossed. We were talking about our time together at McDonald's. Uh, 2010 World Cup was, was, was a highlight for us. Um, but, you know, in your capacity today as the interim CEO of, of MASA, Marketing Association SA. So thanks for being in studio. Yeah. Just to give us a bit of a background, I mean, most of us grew up with the Institute of Marketing Management, but we've had a new body which has been there for some years now. What's the status of MASA? What's the status of, of uh, the membership? Are you, are you growing? Is it, is it gathering momentum? Yes. I mean, the last couple of years, uh, about three years, we have been building capacity, re-looking really at our strategy to uh, grow membership, to package the value proposition, as well as just making sure that we remain uh, relevant. We are at a stage now where we want to go into the market and now talk about what we've been up to. 
what we are finding is that we do have uh, a couple of members that are lapsed. Um, so we're going to have to up our communication back to them to be able to give them a sense of what the benefits are going forward. We do also have active members that over the years have always known that uh, we cannot not have a voice as marketers because in the past when we didn't have a voice, the industry moved ahead and we were left behind. Uh, some of the uh, disasters that happens is the collapse of how as a industry we collect funds to support everything that we need to do from research to awards to whatever so at the moment we really want to make sure that our very proposition is strong we look at the strategy that we have had and we bring that to 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 to, to the market and we are very proud of the work that we have done to clean up the chartered marketer uh, designation so pretty much as a professional um, way of cleaning the, the profession. We are very proud of that work. So when somebody looks at a chartered marketer or a marketing practitioner now, we know that we have done all the good work in the last couple of years. Yeah, Doug, I mean, you, you are you a lapsed member? Are you an old member? Are you an enthusiastic new member? I think part of the, the difficulty oh. is is in the old membership was invested in the person, but this is now, or is yeah. it the other way around now? It's both. So we do have corporates as members of the marketing association. And then we do have individuals as members. Uh, also, when we talk about members, being a chartered marketer in good standing also makes you a member to a large extent. So, and also we have institutions like uh, academic institutions that have joined also that brings a little bit of, it's not complexity, but it's slightly different because as a whole we want to make sure that the individual, the industry, the academic institutions or training bodies are part of one ecosystem so that the type of person who works in our profession can be, uh, you know, utilized across the board. Oh, well, that's great. And, and I think, Gordon, to answer your question, embarrassingly, I don't know. You know, I, I, I know I did it. And, and for years, I, I, and, and I still periodically use the CM designation but i again you know it's one of those things that when i say i did it i did i don't know 15 years ago maybe more you know and so i think it's important for me and i guess other people like me to go and revisit it to go and see where i am what do i need to do to be uh reactivated if you like and to be a contributing member because you know a lot of people i think have a lot of value to add they perhaps don't know how to or they're saying and and one of the worst things is people collect designations you know for the sake of and and that's the last thing we want mm. as a body is people walking around with cm on the back of their name um as opposed to say ca which is very different you know with these active continuous development and and professional points etc so i think from my mm. side and i guess other marketers out there i'd encourage well starting with myself to go revisit it and stick my hand up and say how do i rejig my um my application or my membership yeah, um, the website is quite comprehensive, Doug. If you go on to the MASA website, in terms of getting your status and getting back on track, uh, it's a well laid out process now. And uh, we would love to have everybody that was active back into the profession because we are at a point where we need to upskill everybody. We need to just keep up with the pace of change. Uh, when I started marketing a long time ago, uh, there wasn't anything around social media. In fact, you are even lucky if you could have a budget to do cinema. So things have changed quite a lot. And it's important that yeah. we are all up to speed with uh, our development. 
Yeah, it's, it, and you know, I think from from a media and an agency perspective, um, you know, at Saatchi and Saatchi back in the day, we had a we had a, a phrase which said, "Give me the freedom of a tight brief." If if your client knows what he wants from you and tells you clear terms what what is required, it gives you a certain freedom to do your work. And I think we we celebrate you know good clients, and it and it's, it is really important to have a body like uh, Master that is guaranteeing us a flow of good brand managers to work with, because that's going to enable us to do our jobs a lot better as well. Definitely, there's nothing worse than being briefed by somebody who can't make, give you a tight brief. And anything that you do is going to hit it. But then at that point in time, now you get into arguments around, it's not quite what I wanted, but then you didn't define what you wanted. A couple of years ago, while I was still uh, the marketing director at McDonald's, this was in 2008, 2009, we, we got all the marketing leads around the world in one room and they gave us some tests to, to check our digital literacy. And I scored a fantastic three out of ten. <laughs> and the message there was if anybody who scored eight and below was digitally illiterate and no longer qualified to lead a marketing function. Oh my goodness. And we were given two options to upskill, which is why the workshop was being run, or to vacate our position so that we do not hold the brand back. Because it means that if you are the final decision maker and you are not where the consumers were, you will be missing the mark in terms of the communication that you approve, missing the mark in terms of just the effort of getting to a solution. And that was not acceptable. So I'm hoping that when people de get designated and marketers look at the profession quite seriously, that we will get to a point where people realize that for them to advance the brands and the businesses, they really have to have uh, their competencies and skill up to scratch. Doc, you've, I mean, you've, had, you've had global exposure. No, you just come back from the States. What's your view on that? Absolutely. No, absolutely, Gordon. You know, and I think, you know, it's like in any discipline, you know, and, and you look at some of the checkbooks, and I use that term in inverted commas, the, the budgets that are being controlled by people, uh, they have to be competent. There's no doubt. And, and I mean, you know, just one aspect of that is, is the digital aspect. But I mean, I'm sometimes horrified by talking to people and the level, of, the low level of skill across many disciplines, you know, and, and, and it almost becomes somebody else's problem you know it's vague because the person doesn't understand the business challenge or where the company is throws it over the fence it becomes an agency issue or well why don't you just buy better media as an example so it becomes a media issue when actually and i've been saying it for so long it's a three-way party it's the client the media and the creative house but i mean you know you're so correct uh, both of you in terms of it starts with a client. The more competent you are, the better for everybody. Not only are you competent in yourself, you lead your team, you understand what the customer wants, but you also have your seat at the boardroom, which has been a problem for marketers for many, many years. You know, a lot of people uh, have said, listen, you know, you guys just aren't there. You're not at the skill level, etc." And, you know, let us stop scoring own goals, you know, and let's get involved. And, and just one aspect is getting involved in terms of, of, of upskilling and being part of the dialogue and, and really confidently holding your place at, at the at the C-suite or executive level or whatever level. But I mean, being competent that you know worse off than a person from a, dif a different discipline. I mean, so Chaba, so access to C-suite we know is, is, is increasingly a, a global problem, which is why recovering the, the chartered marketing qualification was such an important step. Do we have any unique African problems which lie outside the global challenge for marketers? 
Look, one has to always understand the context in which they operate. You might sometimes be uh, sitting in South Africa, but your brand being uh, in the rest of uh, the continent or even a global brand. So if one has an appreciation that their thinking needs to be global and at the same time have the sensitivity of understanding what's happening closest to, to, to them. If we look at a simple thing like a demographic that Africa is a very young continent, the type of products and communication, therefore, that you develop and the creative needs to also take into consideration, even if it's just that one simple dimension of that we are a young continent and the type of uh, stuff that we do needs to engage that, that audience. That's one measure. The other one is let's say availability of product the logistics across the continent differs from one country to the next and if you're going to punt communication and yet people can't have access to your product it's a lot of wastage so the ability to understand what are the differences within each uh, with each each country and what is it that you have to do not only to get brand awareness but also to get your brand right in front of the end consumer so with all those Take into consideration, it stretches you to understand brand building. Turn to to understand, stretches you to understand uh, simple supply chain and logistics, uh, pricing or dynamic pricing, consumers in different segments, different continent, continents. So by the time you sit back and make decisions, it's 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 complicated, but not uh, something that can't be done. So yeah. Well, one of the things that you, you've talked about there, if you look at the logistics and supply chain and, and is regional variation. And, and it's something which is astounding me. Doc, maybe you can help me out on this. I mean, in North America, Europe, you know, regional marketing is a given. No? This concept of the central national campaign for me is obsolete. Why don't we have more consideration of regional play in terms of media and even creativity for that matter? Because there's a language implication. I mean, SABC, ALS stations, for instance, are designed to facilitate regional campaigns. And yet, when you buy them, you kind of aggregate to the big five because you, you're only looking at your national output rather than the regional play. Why, why is there such a reluctance to, to look at marketing from a regional perspective in South Africa? Doug, that was for you. That's for, yeah, that's why he's got the, you got the doctorate, Doug. That one was for you. Well, nice Sorry, place, each other. We, we, you can't see, but we are breaking the lawn. We're fist pumping in the stadium here. <laughs> no, but I mean, from, from my point of view, and I mean, you may remember a few months ago, we had Napster on from the Napster Collective, yes. and we spoke specifically around ALS and the nuances and differences as South Africans, you know, I mean, we long, we must and we must celebrate our togetherness and, and sameness, but by the same token, you know, we also look at our, our, our slight differences and nuances, and he spoke passionately about creating, an, an, and I think he used telecom as an example, very, very successful campaign understanding deeply the differences in cultures and subcultures as South Africans using language uh, in particular as the differentiator and, I, and I'm all for that and, and, and you know through the years we used ALS extensively as, as a medium I mean radio is, is, is almost in the hands of everybody um, and a medium that is, that is well understood so I'm all for that I'm all for the, the differences and the slight nuances and twists uh, bringing it all the way back to, you know, and we spoke about a McDonald's. So the product doesn't necessarily change that much, but, uh, but, but certainly the communication can it, it, to, to some degree. Just changing tax slightly, I mean, you know, and I'm bringing it back to gl global and, and local national phenomena. 
Um, obviously, in, in, in recent days, we have been confronted with the reality of coronavirus. Um, I've already noticed some of the media owners are putting out you know, very specific notices regarding programming shifts and the fact that their sales teams will not you know, be able to call on you on a regular basis. They're setting up online streams so you can communicate with your rep online. So there's some really proactive thinking there. So Chaba and, and, and Doc, you as well, I mean, this coronavirus thing presents some really massive uh, challenges for, for marketers. I mean, what, what, what do you see? How does this thing play out from a marketing point of view? Yeah, I feel sorry for the guys who still buy into a five-year plan. And because now you have this situation, you have already missed your five-year plan. Um, so planning is challenged in an environment like this because it means that you may not necessarily be responsive and turn things quickly. Being sensitive to the context and the environment is going to be key in how marketers operate successfully. Because as we speak now, you have brands that are not available uh, in the retail environment. And that's not necessarily the making of brand managers, but just how the consumer has panicked and has brought products and created artificial uh, shortages. I don't see brand managers standing up or being on the side of the consumers to say our brand needs to be accessible, especially during this time of crisis, to our consumers and people who want to use it. It is irresponsible for retailers not to just step in there and allow the madness to just subside so that the brands continue to be available and accessible to people. I think it's a shame that um, at this point in time we don't put humanity first and we continue to just let things um, uh, So brands have a responsibility to step up behind beyond just a good cause to also just be, in this case, understand and appreciate that we are as a people, as a nation, as nations, uh, challenged and uh, we need their, their voice to come through to say, let's stop the madness. Is that something you're going to put out from as, as, a, as a MASA perspective or is that kind of outside of the mandate of MASA? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Look, from our members' perspective, we are understanding to say that we have a responsibility not only to lead our brands successfully, but to just make sure that we are sustainable. Uh, we, we make sure that our brand's growth is sustainable. In a situation like this where there's going to be massive uh, consumer confidence, decline, disappointment. It is our responsibility as marketers to really step in and just buffer that and make sure that the confidence still in the brand stays there because who knows? Some consumers might not know that the massive buyout is in retail versus brand pushing their own volume and saying sell, sell, sell and not realizing that there is other partners in the, in the relationship. Doc, you, I mean, you, you've been an advocate of brands, you know, with conscience and responsible brands. What's your take on this? I mean, I look at the backlash from consumers from, on an Uber uh, surge pricing thing, you know, consumers backlash against that. I mean, this is like Uber, but, you know, a thousand times worse. Yeah. 
That's absolutely right. And I think, Shachama, well put. And I, I like the way you said it. You know, you've you got to be as a people, as a person, as a nation, as a humanity ahead of. And it's easy for us to sit here. But I think it is right. And I think, you know, for so long, brands write CSI purpose and start with a why and the purpose. And I'm a big advocate for that. But it's always the challenge when the chips are down. So when the times are tough, do you really act in accordance to what you've sat down and written in the quiet laboratory of your ad agency or marketing department. And I think now's the time where the world is in an absolute spin. You know, now the real true brand champions and people champions will stand up and say, listen, buy our product responsibly. You know what I mean? And already I think we've seen companies coming to the fore. You know, certain financial institutions are talking about a payment holiday. People are looking at at ways to ease the burden through this, you know. Uh, companies are grappling with how do they treat staff that are remote? How do they pay, etc. What are the what are the brands that will profiteer rightly and what are the brands that will profiteer in an perhaps unethical artificial way? So absolutely right, you know. I think I'm all for brands doing the right thing and now's no better time to do the right thing than right now yeah i think the brands that are going to do the right thing now are going to be rewarded in the long term in terms of establishing a very solid relationship and uh, aligning themselves to either their purpose or their value and some of us will remind those brands that didn't so that never should they uh, do the same thing down the line again just coming back to you know <clears throat> standards and benchmarks, um, the World Federation of Advertisers is a body that, for me, produces some of the most remarkable thinking and sound guidelines. Um, and I know that there had been some intention with Marsa to engage with WFA, World Federation of Advertisers, to get guidelines and white papers on on best practices. Have you have you managed to establish a contact there? Oh yeah, we we are members and have been for quite a long time, but we have dialed that up now. Because the world is so global now and the challenges are quite big that some of the learnings can quickly be shared and we don't have to waste time. Let's take an example where as an industry we always want to say how do we make sure that when we have um, opportunities to pitch or their tenders out that it's fair and that at the same time it's competitive. Uh, What are some of the global best practices? Bringing all those learnings, white papers into South Africa so that we don't start from a a blank uh, piece of paper, but we start somewhere and being underst- understanding our local context, then adjusting it uh, accordingly. Because you are right that uh, when you have a body that's that powerful, that has done a lot of good work that we can, we should leverage that. So from a massa perspective, it is um, a relationship that we treasure, that we believe adds a lot of value not only to the market, but also to our members. Yeah, and I think, for, you know, as, as a supplier myself to, to marketers, um, I make extensive use of those WFA uh, white papers to try and understand what my role is. And I was just wondering whether, you know, there's there shouldn't be some education attached to that, to your members, that they understand the application of these things rather than them just being housed as uh, as papers. But one of the issues that the WFA has addressed both in terms of the the K2 report, but within their own guidelines on digital media anyway, if not conventional media, is the issue of ad fraud, which is now becoming a, 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 talk about pandemics. I mean, this is the, uh, ad fraud is the coronavirus of the media world. I mean, what what's the the view of uh, of Marsa on, on, on ad fraud and how, how are you managing it and, and what are you looking for from agencies in terms of responding positively to some of those very, very negative reports? 
Yeah, I think if you look at, uh, let's take a chartered market, for example, when you, t- you do your code of conduct, the ability to make sure that you represent the, the brand, you always represent yourself and organization in a most morally and ethically correct way. You then have the responsibility to make sure that the instruments that you use or the suppliers or the matrices or the tools also support that. So it puts a lot of responsibility back onto the individual market uh, practicing marketers to really go into the detail and make sure that when somebody say they are an influencer that truly they can influence and those type of numbers that they show are not generated by bots when somebody pretty much <laughs> makes you an accomplice to a fraud and by definition extending it into the way what you do becomes problematic so you have to even be more vigilant to not be scammed any by definition waste uh, the brand's budget the brand money because you are not really reaching the type of uh, audiences or med- 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 uh, uh, targets that 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 you have, you have, you, have, you have been said it is unfortunate and we need to be smarter in spotting it and calling it out and dealing with it and sort of batting this one onto the doc because I mean one of the most interesting developments in the last you know week or so has been Uber cutting 120 million off its 150 million rand media budget, digital media budget, which made no impact at all on the bottom line. So, doc, I mean, let's move into the area of you know return on investment and how what as a marketer, what are you looking for uh, when you engage with a creative agency or media agency on an ROI? Uh, scale rather than the conventional metric of, you know, look at the discount I gave you. <laughs> yeah, Gordon, I mean, the discount is, is one factor. And and, it, and and I think, you know, we spoke again on previous podcasts about the rising role of, of procurement in, in appointment, etc., and governance and return on investment. So I don't think in, in, in certainly in my lifetime that the fee versus the discount will ever go away. But I mean, in addition to that, you know, we've looked at a whole lot of different sort of attribution models through the years. Um, You know, a brand, a a top-line brand equity done independently by sorry, outside uh, outside companies, all the way through to, you know, how much can you attribute to various parts of, of your spend versus an uplift in sales, etc. So the challenge, of course, is when you do multiple things like a lot of big brands do across multiple channels, it's difficult. If I look just at digital, um, and certainly the way it's grown and continues to grow, and you spoke ad fraud, uh, etc., that, that is a measurable thing. And I look back at the old school and, and you, and, and I will remember 20 years ago, it was tear sheets. You know, I'd, I'd physically sit and look through newspaper tear sheets that you could at least see in that. Uh, the challenge now is an incumbent on all parties, uh, certainly the client as well as the media agency, to produce that digital footprint. And it's there. And to make sure that you're not scammed, that you wasn't up as a media agency to understand, one, so it's, it's, it's a question of being astute, and two, uh, being ethical. And again, we've touched on these issues. You know, to me, those are always the two fundamentals. It's about knowledge, upskilling, and continuously so, as scamsters continue to upskill, uh, you need to. And secondly, um, having the ethics and the, and the morals to be able to, to produce the right report for your client. That often, in many cases, look at myself, I was certainly not skilled in, in media. And that's why we had very, very big media houses to, to help us with it and to be jointly 
uh, part of that ROI discussion because the upside they would share, you got to also share on the downside or share on the muddy water side. Be big enough to say, I'm not sure, and we're going to navigate through this together to, to get to uh, a proper ROI. Yeah, and, and that's where the regional marketing opportunity comes in because you can test market in, on a regional basis to get a sense of the, you know what proportion of the mix contributes to ROI. So, Chava, you, you're looking enthusiastically keen to chip in here. Yeah, because you do the, thing, the beauty about being competent is you also know what you don't know. Now, if you are incompetent, sometimes you don't even know what you don't know. So as a result, you don't even know when to put your hand up and say, I need a media partner to help me think deep about this particular issue and or a strategist, whatever that partner is, because you know where your limitations are. So it's almost like uh, the danger of somebody who's half competent. They have the, the confidence to do something, but they actually can't, can't do it and they don't even have the wisdom to pause and say, I need help, so that in the end, the benefit accrues to the brand as well as the business, and uh, we can stop this uh, wastage. Yeah, from the media side, I mean, I blame us to a large degree for our own uh, sort of demise as a, as a, a pillar of, of the marketing discipline. We have not gone out of our way to explain to brand managers what media does and why there is a d- degree of excellence required to do a good job. We need to up our game there. Yeah, I mean, quick one there is if you, I was to ask you to say, in terms of anybody who's gone through some marketing training, how much time did they actually spend on media? Yeah. And as a result, it's so like I don't know it, therefore let me not even worry about it. So you are right that uh, there needs to be an upping of the skill yeah. set and an emphasis to educate marketers because the spend that goes towards media is huge. It's huge. And, and I mean, really, that's something, but as I say, that's something we, we will maybe explore uh, via the Doc and Guru podcast at some future point. So we would really like to encourage any of the listeners out there to engage with us, raise any issues with us. Uh, so, Chaba, they can get hold of you on the on the MASA uh, website. website, which is fully functioning. So that's the best place to do it. Yeah. Okay, um, and then just oh, we were going to get there, but I th- we won't have time today. And but there's obviously we've been waiting for a while for the new map survey to come out. We understand it's it's hit the field. Is it in the last week? When when did it go into field? It's begun at least. Yeah, it's 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 in field. Um, the launch into to, to the industry so that everybody's on the same page was going to be tomorrow. Yeah. But of course, uh, on Sunday, um, the president announced some restrictions, which the industry and many other players are still trying to understand. Uh, we we're going to get more than a hundred people, given how big um, Maps is to marketers and brands. Um, so that launch is going to be virtual now. But yeah, we are in field, and for any of the brands that haven't signed up for good quality research that will help them in their decision making, uh, I'll still encourage them to reach out and then we so that they can sign up and have good quality data to use in their decision making. So that's great. So I'm, I'm going to hand over to the doctor and let him wrap it up from his marketing perspective. But so we'll do that in a later show because that, that really is a massive, massively important development. It's just a pity, obviously, that the launch was postponed. But it's in field. That's the good news. So the game is on. So, Doc, I'm going to say uh, cheers to both of you and you can do the wrap for us this week. Yeah, thanks, Gordon. Um, and I think just the last point from my side, and, and, and just to reiterate that ROI discussion, let's do it ourselves and then not cry when finance people, procurement people, 
strategy people get involved because why do they get involved most times in my experience they get involved because they've lost confidence in the discipline or they think we as marketers don't know what we're doing and we're good at spending but not so good at showing the returns so it's about education it's about research really understanding it and don't get the research so you can collect the research report. You know, I've, I must be honest, I've been guilty of that as well. You know, you get the report, you don't work through it, but you always feel better because you have it. It's just crazy. Get the work, work through the work, uh, and become better as, as a marketer and more professional. So I think that's, the, that's it from our side. So Chaba, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it and the good work that you guys are doing. I promise that I will go onto the site. I'll reinstate my status and be an active member as a as a chartered marketer for South Africa. Thank so you. again, thanks very much uh, from from my side. And until next week, if you haven't already, please subscribe. Get on; it's free. Uh, all you're going to do is make sure you don't miss an episode of the Doc and the Guru podcast. Like us on Facebook, get on LinkedIn, get involved, uh, be part of the discussion as Gordon and I always say. Uh, it's not about the two of us just chatting to very interesting guests. That's part of it. It's obviously having the dialogue with all South Africans and for that matter, for those listeners from abroad. From my side, Doug Mateus, uh, it's always great and we'll catch you next week. And it's goodbye from the Guru. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.